Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us another day, Lord. We just come with grateful hearts, Father. We ask that you will speak today. We ask, Lord, that everyone here will, will hear what it is you are saying, Lord, and that you would just deal with our hearts, Lord. We pray that the word of God, which is the only thing that can um, change the way we think, change the way we are, Lord, and we just get that, Father. We pray that, um, yeah, your presence will be here and um, what you say will be clear. Um, in Jesus' name, I humble myself before you, Lord, that you will speak through me and you will speak clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. How is everyone? Good. Let's keep um, our pastors, Brahman Dai, in your prayers. There's some great things happening in Indonesia that um, Dave was just referring to. So just keep praying for them. Pray that they do stay healthy and uh, that they just keep letting the Holy Spirit use them. We are going to go to John chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, if you have your iPads or iPhones or whatever source you use to read the Bible. We are going to read John chapter 9, and I will start at verse 1. As he went... Do we have it? Yeah. If you have it, just say, I have it. Okay, cool. <laughs> As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he has been blind. 
and he had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't, does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus had, Jesus heard they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see will become blind and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And that is the end of the chapter. That's an incredible story. Um, So I want to talk a little bit from that. Uh, just a few of the scriptures in there. There's so much in there, but we don't have time to go through the whole thing. Last week, um, Brahm was preaching on the man at Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda, and he talked about talked a little bit about the lame man. And I kind of want to make a few comparisons with how this man responded to Jesus against how the other man responded to Jesus. The name of this message, or the name that I gave it, is Jesus and how he loves to make make it very simple. Because that's who he is and that's what he does. Jesus makes everything simple. We make it complex, but he makes it simple. 
So let's just talk about this guy. Um, it's interesting because Jesus, when he met the man in the pool of Bethesda, it was it was on the Sabbath. Jesus had a habit of doing things that just messed with everything. You know, he healed on the Sabbath, and guess you weren't supposed to do that. But Jesus didn't care. So he healed on the Sabbath. He saw this man at the pool of Bethesda. He was lame for 38 years. Um, and this man in chapter 9, he was born blind. Uh, Jesus went to both of them. Jesus healed both of them. And we don't actually read that there's any faith on the other half or on the man who's born blind and even the man who was lame. So he just goes and he heals him. So we see both situations is pretty similar in the, you know, from the place of needing healing, Sabbath, and Jesus approaches them out of the kindness of his heart. With this man, um, just talking a few things about or just pulling out a few of the scriptures. First of all, the Pool of Siloam, just to give you a little bit of context. I don't want to really go into the historicity of all of, you know, what the Pool of Siloam is and where it came from. But I do want to share that it was known as a freshwater reservoir. And the pool would have been a major gathering place for ancient Jews making religious pilgrimages uh, to the city. So this was a, a really big kind of gathering place. A lot of people would have been around. So when this blind man came, a lot of people would have seen him, which is why we read that his neighbors and things like that begin to talk, you know, to this man and say things like, who is he and all of that. So the first verse I want to bring out is when the disciples asked Jesus who this man is and well, not really so much who he is, but did he, did he sin or did his parents sin? Jesus' response was, neither this man nor his parents sin. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. When I read that, I mean, it's, it's easy to just think, why? You know, why does this man have to go through all of this, be born blind, and actually have to suffer in this way, and he didn't do anything wrong. It would be a little bit more understanding if there was a sin attached to it because, yeah, you deserve it. But it doesn't seem like he does. And yet Jesus does say, yeah, he was born blind, not because of anything he did or even anything his parents did, but that the works of God would be displayed. It's pretty interesting. So even in the few verses after that, or after saying this, he spit on the ground, and he made some mud with the saliva. It's kind of gross. Yeah, let's just be honest. It's not very attractive. Um, and maybe the pool of Siloam, where Jesus actually tells him to go, is not very close, so he can't really get water from there. And he actually makes the mud with his saliva. So it had to be enough saliva to actually make mud. Seriously, it, it did. Let's, let's just really get this. So Jesus, and I'm, this man can't see, so he doesn't even know what's happening. But Jesus makes mud with 
the spit. And not only that, he puts it on the man's eyes. So the man can't see, but now it's this heavier element sitting on his eyes. And then he tells him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So he sends him away. He doesn't, we don't read at least that he tells one of his disciples, you know, Peter or John, maybe help the man to the pool because we know he can't see. He just actually tells him to go. He doesn't even give him a crutch. He doesn't give him, you know, any help. But what does this man do? The man went and he washed and he came home seeing. I think if it was me, I would probably ask Jesus, okay, all right, you just put mud on my eyes and there's no water anywhere. So I can only imagine where the, where the wetness of this is coming from. But if you could at least give me someone that can actually help me to the pool, that would be great. Remember the man back in chapter five, when Jesus asked him a simple question, there was no mud involved. There was no saliva. There was no anything. He just asked him if he wanted to be made well. And the lame man just began to talk about how he couldn't get to the pool because he had nobody to help him. This man doesn't do any of that. He just goes. What we see is that this man who was born blind was thankful. See, he would have had every right to ask a question of why me? First of all, why do I have to be the one to go through this? Why is it me that has to be born blind? Why is it me that you have to put mud on my eyes? And why is it me that I have to be the one to go and find the pool by myself? And maybe the man knew where the pool was. Maybe he had been there constantly, but there's no help that this man gets. But he didn't ask why me, because a lot of times when we begin to think about why me, it's actually entitlement that gives us that reason when we start to ask these kind of questions. And when there's entitlement, we don't really feel thankful. Entitlement always makes you say everything that points back to you. He could have asked that. Because he would, he, he, it would be understandable if this man felt, I deserve better. Why am I the one going through this? But he didn't. He chose to be thankful, and he said, you know what? You're telling me to do this? No questions asked. I'm just going to do it. So he trusted God, but he was thankful for what God was doing, for what Jesus was doing. Thankful people don't really get too caught up on the why me. They don't get too caught up on I deserve better. The reason for it is because they recognize that someone just did something for them that they could not do themselves. So it's humility. They can see you're actually stepping in and doing something for me. This blind man can see you're, you're doing something for me that I can't, I can't do myself. So I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to choose to be thankful and not begin to throw a bunch of questions at you or even begin to pour my heart out in the form of complaining 
because I feel like I'm entitled to better. I'm just going to be thankful. As we read through the scripture, and I won't go back through it, but obviously when the man comes out of the pool, he can see. And then his neighbors and all these other people are saying, who is this guy? This guy, you know, we, isn't this the same man that used to beg? And so they're going back and forth. No, I don't think that's him. It looks like him. But since this one can see and the other one could, maybe it's not. But isn't it interesting how the man himself is trying to tell them, it is me. I am the person that used to beg. There's no shame in that. I used to do that. that I'm, I can see now. So don't take my story from me. This is, this is the same guy because now I've been given something incredible. I'm so thankful that I have to tell you the complete story. Now, when we look back in chapter 5 and the man has picked up his mat and he's walking, the Pharisees approach him. But he doesn't go through the whole thing of, man, do you realize I was laying lame for 38 years and a man just came and told me to pick up my bed and walk. Like, how incredible is that? Like, look at my legs. They, they're actually moving. I've been, I've been that man, that, the person that you used to see at the pool of Bethesda every day for the past 38 years. That's me. We don't hear that from that guy. But this one who's trying to defend himself, yes, I was born blind. So he's not shying away from who he was and his, his own testimony. He's actually giving it. And that's what thankful people do. They don't shy away from who they were. There's no shame in it. Because they recognize, I didn't do this. The person who did this for me is greater than I am, and I've been healed. And that makes me so much joyful and, so, and with so much gratitude that I have to tell you the full story. I have to give you the complete picture. I can't leave anything out because I'm not ashamed of it. So we see how, you know, this person goes through all of this. They take him to the Pharisees. They're all asking all these questions. And this man is realizing they really don't want to believe what he said. And then they just eventually throw him out because he challenges the religious believers. Incredible. But one scripture that comes and really sticks out is Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The blind man said, who is he? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. This man here had an open heart. He had a thankful heart. And having a thankful heart gives you an open heart. So he could actually have a dialogue, an open conversation with Jesus. And it's in this conversation that Jesus actually reveals who he is. He tells the man, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that has healed you. I'm the one that is the son of man. You believe on him, believe on me. The other one in chapter 5, we don't see such a thing. 
we only actually see one interesting thing that really catches my attention. And that is when Jesus sees him again, he only tells him, first, you've been made well. And then he says, don't go and sin again or a worse thing will come upon you. There's no dialogue. There's no conversation. And this man in chapter five is really not thankful. And yet Jesus still approaches him out of his kindness. Thankfulness gives you access to having a dialogue with Jesus. It actually allows Jesus to be open and actually show more of who he, of who he is to you. See, Jesus can speak to an unthankful heart because he can do everything. But what he cannot do is engage with an unthankful heart because it's closed. And Jesus will never go beyond your will. He will never go beyond what you give him. Jesus did everything for the man when he healed him, uh, the guy at the pool of Bethesda. And it was his kindness that healed the man. But he couldn't engage with him because the man was too closed. He could still tell him, be careful you don't sin or a worse thing will come on you. But with the, blind, with the man that was born blind, he actually came back to him and began to talk. Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the Son of Man? And this dialogue that's happening is only bringing to this man to the point where he can accept salvation. He can accept who Jesus is. So, yes, Jesus can speak to an unthankful heart but he can't engage with one. Where there are complaints and the I don't deserve attitude or the mentality that I, I get, we can all get, we do. But when that happens, it actually blocks Jesus from engaging with us. We can actually hear more of his commandments, which is actually him being kind to tell us, don't go back that way because if you go back that way, something will happen. And I don't want that to happen. But the, the, the truth that what, what Jesus really wants to do, he wants to have relationship with us. And there's no room for that engagement. There's no room for that intimate relationship because unthankfulness is what closes up the entire situation to where we can't even have a conversation with God. Something that small, but yet it's that big. Being thankful. Thankfulness opens the heart. It allows Jesus to talk to us. But when it's so much about, I don't deserve this, and there's complaints, and, well, why me? And, well, I should have better. It becomes about me. And then the spirit of entitlement just hangs over me. And the only thing that I can hear is Jesus trying to actually get me out of it. But he's doing it in the form where he's caring for me, but I can't get a relationship. I, I, I feel stuck. I feel like there's actually no intimacy. There's, there's no dialogue. So what is Jesus trying to show us? 
first thing I want to kind of point out is that it's really interesting how this man was born blind and Jesus opens his eyes. Now, his parents come around and, of course, he would recognize his parents because he would know their voices. But we don't read here that his parents actually are excited, like, hey, it's us. You can see us now. I'm, I'm your dad. This is your mom. Eloise and John. Uh, I don't know their names, but it's, it's kind of weird, Eloise and John. Anyway, but there's, there's none of that. There's, there's no one actually saying, you know, nice to meet you. The first person that introduces himself to him is Jesus. He is the first person. Now, yes, being born blind would be incredibly difficult, and I couldn't fathom what that would feel like, what that would look like, but it's pretty amazing how when my eyes or this man's eyes is open, the first introduction he gets is with the king of kings. It's the first person he talks to. It's the first person that actually is a gentleman and says, look, I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. And it's really nice to meet you. That's pretty, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty incredible. So what is Jesus showing us? One takeaway we can, we can really get from this is that thankfulness will always open things up. If we feel stuck in our lives and it just feels like nothing is happening for us or we don't feel like we're really making any traction or really going anywhere with our lives, it could be that we might not be as thankful as we thought we were. Remember, thankful people, not only are they grateful for what they have, but they do take ownership and where they've missed the mark. They do take ownership in what they, in, in, in any faults that they've actually committed. If it's on them, they, they can take ownership because they're not here to try to put it on someone else. Because a lot of times entitlement, it makes us be the victim. It makes us look, well, I deserve better, so don't blame me for it. Blame that person or Go talk to them. They're the ones that have the problem. It's, it's, it's really not me. As a matter of fact, I can tell you why I don't have the problem. I've actually done everything that I could possibly do. This is actually falling on me. I don't deserve this. That's what entitlement actually tells us. But when we're thankful, it actually begins to open things up in our lives. And another takeaway we can gather from this passage of Scripture is that every excuse we carry and every time we say things like, I don't deserve it, and why is this happening to me, we're actually really saying that I'm entitled to better. And because of that spirit of entitlement that hangs over us, it does block us from appreciating what Jesus has actually already done. This week alone for me, I, I you know, was just happened to be driving 
And I'll share this because I, <laughs> I went on my first hike yesterday with Joel and a few other guys. And, yeah, they just threw me in the deep end. And we just went and climbed Mount Cathedral. And I had no idea what I was getting into. I really didn't. But it was amazing. Thank you, Joel. It was, it was, it was pretty incredible. But even on my way... Um, you know, my GPS wasn't working right. I didn't really know how to get there. You know, I had to stop and get fuel. And then when I got fuel, as I'm on my way, it's like, okay, this I already have enough that I have to do. Should I go? And, I, and I'm finding myself complaining about the things that I have to do in the moment to the point where I'm like, you know what, maybe I should just turn around, go home. This is Maybe this is not worth it. And as I'm sitting there, of course, I've already been working on my message, and the Holy Spirit would just remind me, oh, well, are you going to be thankful right now? What do you have to thank God for? And I just remember that morning as I'm driving, I just begin to thank God for my family, you know, the health of my kids, you know, the health of my unborn child right now, and how we've had to really engage with Christ when it comes to our faith and seeing that's happening and, you know, the roof over our heads and the fact that I can drive. And and all these things just begin to come as I'm going and as I'm driving. And I begin to feel a little bit lighter. And it's like, well, God, you have done so much. And we do live in an incredible country. And, you know, we do have all of these benefits that so many people don't have. And, you know, it's just flowing and flowing and to the point that I end up hearing on the GPS, oh, you have 43 miles or 43 kilometers to go. And of course, the GPS starts working. I, but it, what was incredible to me that I lost sight of the things that actually didn't matter. And I just started focusing on the fact of what really does matter, because at the end of the day, the things that God has given me is more precious than the moment that I'm in because my Stupid GPS isn't working. Like, really? Now, entitlement doesn't really put things in perspective. But thankfulness gives you the whole story. I find it so ridiculous that this man who was born blind, he knows who healed him. He knows it's Jesus. But the man who was lame doesn't know or is pretending. I don't know. He, he doesn't say who heals him. He acts as if he doesn't know Jesus. It's Jesus that did it. And yet, in both situations, Jesus never tells either one of them, I'm the person that healed you. See, it's when you're thankful, you get a complete picture of what's happening. You see the thing that actually matters. But when you feel like you're entitled... It's like you only see the things that matter to you. And you only see the things that you think you deserve. And the problem is always an entitlement. I can never see the whole thing because what matters and what's most important is the priority, and that is me. Unthankfulness does not let you see the whole picture. Because all you can recognize is what you deserve. And you could care less about what someone else deserves. 
The third thing that we can take away is what we actually do need to remember. What we need to remember, and every time we do communion, we should remember this when we remember what Jesus did. We need to remember what we really were entitled to and what we really are entitled to, which is our own sin. Because in Romans, the Bible clearly says we have all sinned and we have all fallen short. See, what Jesus did for us is not because we deserved it. What we actually deserved is what we did to ourselves. We deserve sin. And Jesus took us out of it. He said, I'm going to take on me what I don't deserve, what I'm actually not entitled to. Because my entitlement is that I am king. And I have every right to say that. I am Lord. I am God. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take on what you're entitled to so that I can give you what I'm entitled to. Now, if that's not a privilege, I don't know what is. Can I get the musicians to come back up? This is what entitlement looks like. We can say, uh, things aren't working out for me. I'm trying to get a job. I can't seem to get one. Why me? Okay. Well, I do have a job, but I don't really like it. Why am I the one with the job that I don't like? I see other people working and they love what they're doing. Why me? Okay. Well, I have a job and I like it, but I haven't been promoted in about three or four years. And I keep doing my job very well, but I can't seem to get promoted. Why, why is it me? Every time I hear someone talking about their job, oh, I just got a raise. Oh, I just got promoted. Oh, I just got elevated. Now I'm a manager. And, but that's not happening for me. Why, why me, God? Why am I the one not being able to get elevated? What, what's the problem? Okay. Entitlement. Well, I've been elevated and I've been promoted, but I really, really want to do what I love. And this is really not what I love. I'd rather do what I'm really passionate about. Why is this happening to me? I see so many people doing what they love. Why can't I do what I love? I don't deserve this, God. Okay. Well, I have my own business. I'm doing what I love, but man, it is slow. There's like no money coming in. Why me? Everyone that I know is doing a great business and they're profiting and they're doing so many great things. How come that can't be me? Okay. You see, you see the cycle? It, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. You never get to a place where you can actually say, wow, thank you. 
Because when the spirit of entitlement sits over us, we'll never, ever see the place where we can actually say, thank you. So whether you're the one that does not have the job or you're the one that has a job but doesn't have the job you want or you're the one that hasn't been promoted like you think you should or you're the one that wants to do the things you love and have your own business but there's no room for it or if you are doing the thing that you love and you have your own business but it's not profiting, it doesn't matter what level or category you fall in. Find a reason and a way to be thankful. And guess what? It's really not that difficult. But if we actually approach God by just saying, thank you, it gives Jesus the same space that he had with the man who was born blind. Jesus comes to us and he begins to open things up. He begins to show us more. He begins to show us how he is with us and how he's walking with us. And things begin to actually turn around. And I'm not here to tell you, oh, life is going to be perfect. It's, it's not. But when you're grateful, you start to become a little bit more happy about what God has actually done for you. And then we become the people that the world wants to run to because they realize you've got something that I don't. We both have the same life, and yet you seem to see it differently than I do. Why? Because I'm thankful for what Jesus has already done for me. If it never gets better, guess what? It's gotten as good as it can get. Because Jesus has paid the price. Seriously. I mean, can we be thankful for that? The entitlement of what we deserve is actually off of our heads now. We have eternal life with him. No matter how hard it may seem like it gets here, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 50s, 80s, the journey that we're taking is with Christ. And guess what? When we leave here, we're going to be with him. Now, is that something to be thankful about? Can we praise God a little bit for just knowing that promise is already set? If we can stand to our feet. Lord, I thank you. I, I praise you, Father, that we can come to you boldly before you're thrown in time of need, as your scripture says. And you know the needs we have. You know the needs that we've had for quite some time. And it's not that you don't want them to meet them. But you do want the response from us to be a little bit better than maybe what it's been. And you don't come down on us hard. You don't condemn us. You love us. And you do things still out of your kindness, but there's so much more we could have if we are just thankful. So I pray, Lord, that you show us how to be thankful. Show us where we've missed the mark. Show us where we've kind of made it about us. 
And we know you're, we're your children. We know that we belong to you. But as your children, you want us to grow up. And you want us to take actually the ownership that we have here on the earth and actually do the work that you've sent us to do. But it does start with thanking you and being grateful for what you've already done and what you even want to do. So Lord, I pray for each and every person here that they would have heard what you have spoken to them personally. That they would receive your word with a conviction to be more thankful towards you and more thankful for what you have given them. What you have given all of us. You're so amazing. You're so beautiful. And we're so grateful. I pray grace and peace on everyone here as we close. In Jesus' name, amen.